again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast is on the air. Season 1, Episode 14. I'm Steve Coolius, and of course, that is Mr. Craig Button. Craig, my beer league team's struggling, and your pickleball season is over. A fourth-place finish. Will there be changes? Will there be changes in Calgary with the Button Pickleball Enterprise? impossible to have changes my partner is my wife like seriously <laughs> and and if anybody's considering making changes it's her not me are you kidding me? she was fantastic in our semi-final our bronze medal match so uh there, there'll be no changes we're a good team we had a real close thing you know you learn from these things steve you know what we're young we would we, we're going to learn from these experiences and we're going to be better don't you worry about that now you one will- nothing in a beer league game what what did I hear that right? Yeah, we uh, were having some scoring issues, and um, I hit the post, and you know, just missed the top left corner on one play. I come down, I do the McDavid. If you don't believe you can teach an old dog new tricks, attacking triangles. Now that I've got these moves, this toe drag and everything didn't help us score last night. Think about this: we pull the goalie. You know, our team says, "Why do we pull the goalie?" They always score in the other net. I said, "There's two minutes. We have a face-off in their zone," and I call timeout. I said, "Guys." I'd rather be shot like a lion than a lamb. That's what Ludzie taught me. So I win the draw. We're, we're doing all these things. I look back at the point. Okay. Now they're going to be listening to this. I look back at the point and one of our defensemen is not in our zone. They're not in our zone. So the puck rolls to the right point and then comes outside over the line. Craig, why isn't he inside the zone, keeping the puck in, keeping the play alive? We're not dogs on the bone. We're not dogs on the bone right now. So something's got to change, but you're right. Beer league score should be 11, 10, 7, 6, 1, nothing, Craig. I need a new CCM. I I need a new CCM. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a new stick. Well, okay. If that's what you think will help you get the puck inside the post, not on the post. As as our dear friend Dennis Dennis Bayak always says, a round puck hit the round post squarely. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's what sounds like it happened to you last night. You right. know, it did. It, 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 it's so fascinating when, when, when you talk about there's only unless your name is Sergei Zuboff, you should not be outside the blue line in the offensive zone. You remember how Zuby used to play in the offensive zone? He used to use an extra two feet and keep the stick over the blue line, but he would back up to give himself a little bit more space there. So unless you're playing with Sergei Zuboff, nobody else should try to be outside the uh, blue line in the offensive zone. But Zuby was great at that. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, some of the, some of the concepts like that make people think, what are you doing? And then you think, oh, now... I have the puck in, but my feet are out. I've just given myself more space and you make the winger come out and now you can find a seam or get it behind him and everything. I I love stuff like that. The X's and O's and how the game has changed over time. I'm still looking for the guy or gal who invented this modern one, three, one power play. When it happened, you know, the numbers are through the roof. You know, we dropped the forward down over history, but this one, three, one, the Ovechkin, the Kucherov, the bumper point, I find it fascinating. Elaine Ben is fascinating. I love it. I want to know who invented it, Craig. Well, I mean, the bottom line is, is you keep working to find uh, who invented it. You know, what needs to happen is uh, like, like the progression of it, how, how you work off of it, right? Like, you know, how your set play works off the bumper, how you're going to do it. And, you know, that's, that's where, that's where the innovation goes to another level. I got to go back to Zuby. Sergey Zuba. I got to tell you two great Zuba stories. Number okay. one, and, and Kevin, 
Kevin Lowe's Hall of Fame induction speech, he mentioned going to the New York Rangers and he thanked Sergey Zuboff for having such a fantastic partner at that point in his career. Like, just think about that. Kevin Lowe, who played with those great Oilers teams on those great Oilers, but those great Oilers, talking about Sergey Zuboff, number one, that resonated with me. Number two, we traded for Sergey Zuboff. We're in an exhibition game. And Madonna's telling me, he goes, you know, Craig, you know, you're going through the middle, kind of like, yeah, I'll just go like kind of fake it. I'm open. Give me the puck. He says, the puck goes right off my stick. He goes, I, I couldn't believe it. It was right on my tape. He said, I never missed another pass from Zuby. <laughs> I thought the speeches were great. Again, his grandfather gets a ticket for going too slow. His background, <laughs> um, where he fits into society and everything. It was and Kevin Lowe had some zingers, right? The Leafs zinger was hilarious. Oh. The idea, I won six cups and I told people it's okay. I was lying. I, the Hall of Fame is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it was, it was I, I howled. Uh, Kenny Holland, the vacuum salesman term general manager. I love the speeches, whether it's a wedding, it's shh, quiet. The speeches are on. And I wrote a doozy for mine in 96, Craig. You, you, you'll love it. <laughs> I stole a Sam Malone line. I'm not an animal. I fold my socks. And then when I started getting emotional, I said, I promise, mess, I wouldn't do this. It was, it was a beautiful speech, my friend. But I love the speeches. I love watching it. The class of 2021. And it's, uh, I thought Kevin was, he just, he, he got up there and, and owned it and made us laugh. Even when there's raspy voice drinking the water and the stuff with the families always makes you take a gulp and, and, and go, wow. Cause where are we all, uh, without Kara, without Diane, without uh, your dad and going to the rink and all that stuff. It just, uh, wow. If that doesn't get you going, like somebody winning both showcases and the price is right. Nothing will Craig, nothing will. Well, you're right. And, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's 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 an unbelievable honor for the for the for the players and and the manager going into the hockey hall of fame but the, the way they they reiterate their stories how they got there and who was important to them i mean kim st pierre was unbelievable and for me steve you got two girls that play hockey and i, I i'm lucky because I, I got to watch kim play lots in international hockey you know you know, with the national team, you know, a lot of times being based in Calgary, you, you could see a lot of the practices and see the different games. And, you know, I, I, I've said this about Kim St. Pierre. If you went and watched the practice or watched the game and you didn't know she was a female, you, you would not say that was a, the, the, there's a female goal. You just say that's a darn good goaltender. And she was a darn good goaltender. Her, her skills were excellent. Her technique was excellent. Her brain was outstanding in terms of reading the play. I know Patrick Waugh was her idol. And when you grow up in Montreal and you know, why wouldn't, and you're a goaltender, why wouldn't Patrick Waugh be your idol? Well, when I watched Kim St. Pierre play, she reminded me of Marty Berger. That's because, because she was so good at reading what was coming at her or what and anticipating. So, you know, we talk about Kevin with the six Stanley cups, Kenny with four Stanley cups, uh, you know, Marin Hosa with three Stanley cups. Drone was a winner through and through and through in every sense of the word. And Doug Wilson, I mean, Doug Wilson, you look what he's done as a manager. I mean, that team in San Jose has been competitive year in year out here. They are again competitive again so you know this idea that you have to win stanley cups uh to you know you know have legitimacy no totally wrong you know what everybody grows up wanting to win a stanley cup i get it but if you look at the uh, six inductees at the hall of fame on uh, on monday evening some have won stanley cups and 
every single one of them are winners in the truest form of the word. Penguins have won under Sidney Crosby, and he's a Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer a long time ago. There is something going on there that's not good that may or may not be rectified. So there's a story today for sure. And then there's the Vancouver Canucks. So I have these two cards, Craig. We'll have a little discussion. You want to start with the Penguins? Or do you want to start with the Vancouver Canucks who played and lost again last night, who could not kill a penalty if they didn't send a man to the box, I think. That's how, that's how bad it is here. Quinn Hughes, not the time for retribution and retaliation. He knows it was selfish. We talked about Colorado and getting going. So Canucks or Penguins on where they are right now because it's, it's not good in either spot. Well, I mean, you, you started off uh, down the path of the Vancouver Canucks. So I would just say, let, let, let's stay on that path, right? Okay. And Steve, you know, people keep looking at the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, right now, their issue is special teams. Like the, the, the penalty kill is, is, is disastrous. It's horrendous. It's horrific. You know, if this was Halloween, we'd be talking about that being the leading horror show, uh, you know, on, on TV right now. It, it, it's so bad. It's like, how can something be so bad? And that's under the domain of the coach. The, like, you know, penalty killings under the domain of the coach. And it's simply not good. You know, you think about all the offensive weapons they have in Vancouver. Why is the power play not so good? You know, and, 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 and so you, if you're going to rely on those offensive players to be difference makers, the power play has to be something that, that goes. So you have the special teams that's awful. Then you have a blue line, poorly constructed. And as, as, until that blue line improves significantly in terms of player personnel, the team's going to continue to be middling. And middling right now might be might be raising the bar two notches for the Vancouver Canucks the way they're playing. It's not like they're playing terrible because they have a really good goaltender and they have those good offensive players. Right now, though, the, the special team. How many times do we hear about the special teams battle? I'll tell you what, the special teams battle for the Vancouver Canucks, they're whatever, oh, for whatever. The, the, it's awful. It's awful watching it. Well, they're not as bad as the record in terms of talent. It's one whoa, thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there. You, you, you know what Bill Parcell said? Bill Parcell says you are what your record says. Okay. Don't I, you start with those little things. I, I, am, I am going to say that. I am going to disagree that they're at, at, at airtime at 5, 10, and 2. There's not a 5, 10, and 2. It, as bad as you think the right side of the blue line is, right? They're not losing games just 5 on 5, right? You're talking about special teams. And you talk about the high-end skill that they're not going to kill penalties at 64% for the rest of the year. How do you know? I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a wager. I'm going to make okay. a wager that they're not going to be at Commodore 64 penalty kill that this team, this team will improve in two areas with Pedersen and JT Miller and Quinn Hughes, you know, Connor Garland adding all Breckman Lars. I get it. I, I, I get there's been some, marginal left side improvements. I know the right side that you talked about with Pullman, uh, Hamannick and Myers that Myers is better as a six. He was up higher. So what I see here and, and what I believe going into the year was hoping they could get through with the back end, believing in their high end offense and believing in a power play that could save them. It hasn't saved them. The penalty killing has killed them, but if it's a stock and it's low now, 
I'm buying it better than five, 10 and two. I don't know what the way the ducks are playing the flames and everything else. If I'm buying it to say that it's a playoff team, because sometimes you dig yourself a hole that's hard to come out of. But I, so I look at Lise Pedersen and I don't see that guy that I used to see on the one timer. He's, I haven't seen him smile in two years and things haven't gone well with COVID. And I don't get it. I don't get it. And ownership and you've been there and management and you know, the fan base gets on you. How do you, stop the white noise if you're jim benning and travis green like travis's face like sometimes a face can say it all like your face now it's saying steve this is an excellent point you make and i'm absorbing what you're saying but i see travis and sometimes a coach goes from angry like look at rick bonus i know it's wrong and we're gonna make changes he leaves 26 second speech and dallas they win two games in a row five two now that's only two games but he was confident and he solved a mini problem or, or guys who weren't scoring started to score this, I see Travis is, it's, he's wearing it and feeling it. You've managed before. What do you say to ownership? What are they saying to you? Like, how long do you have to get to 500, NHL 500, Craig? Well, NHL 500 gets you nowhere. Just, you know. But they need to get just, there first. Well, well, I would say they need to, I, I think you've just answered your own question. You know what? There's a number of things that plague the Vancouver Canucks. Improving the blue line personnel is, is a longer, you know, more involved process. And, and that's in the manager's office. But improving the penalty kill, that's finding a solution. That, that's the number one thing they need to work on. The number one thing they need to work on. Because, you know, when, when your team is struggling, you're, you're going to have moments and, 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 and things where something looks good and you got two or three things that aren't working. You can't fix all two or three at, at the same time. So fix one thing that's causing you the biggest problem. It's simple. I know how the coach's office works. The coaches are, they're working to find solutions. Well, guess what, Travis? It's real simple. Find a solution. Okay. I know you're wearing it, I, but that's your job. Your job's to find a solution. Simple as that. Nothing more. This isn't about being an apologist or anything or not being upset. We know you're upset. You're a competitor. Find a solution. That's what I would say if I was a coach. What are your solutions? Let's sit down and let's look at what the solutions are. What can we do? That's what you got to be. You got to be tireless in seeking out a solution. Because until you find a solution, you can talk all you want about what the team is, but the record is what it is. They're five, 10 and two. And, you know, and the, the challenging thing is they played 17 games. Okay. Now what ends up happening, they got 65 games left, Steve. We'll do a little bit of math here. Okay. They have 12 mm -hmm. points. Let's say 96 points are what it's going to take to make the playoffs in the West. Well, you got 12 points. All I know is that that, that means they're 82, 84 short, 84 short. Are they going to win 42 of their next 65 games? I'll leave that question for you to answer. Well, the math isn't good now. <laughs> oh, you know, the math isn't good. The math, you know, Steve, I can start to write teams off right now, not named Arizona. <laughs> well, the Ducks are on a roll. Ryan gets yeah. had him on the show yesterday. Troy Terry is, is he's great. He's probably playing above his weight class. Um, uh, Trevor Zegers, Jamie Drysdale, Trevor's last two games were the best two games of his career. The wow factor. And, you know, He's 20 turning 21 and he can make you go, wow. Like he did the other night. So you, you talk about sustainability. 
Are you then saying the Ducks are a playoff team? I'm, I'm not ready to say that yet when we think about what happens when Colorado gets healthy on the other side. You like Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg as well. It's the 5-3-4-4 thing people say. Well, what are you talking about? Is the wild card going to come from the Metro, from the Central? If you've got three spots in the Pacific, the third spot's gold, Jerry, because it means you're in for sure. So Oilers, we assume Vegas, is it Calgary? Then four, if the Ducks are that good and they're four, the wild cards might come from the other side. This division with the Kings there are hard to figure out. Or they run hot and cold. Seattle is probably, you know, not where some people thought they would be as it related to Vegas in their expansion year. I think that kind of uh, 70 to 82 kind of range finder was, was their best case scenario as they have trouble scoring. So the Ducks, are you seeing something here that you're willing to say from the decision desk 2022 that you've seen enough to put them in? Or you will wait on that decision because I think you've seen enough of the Canucks to say that they will not be in. No, see, see you want to make a decision. Yes, I, I do. But I'm I, doing, I like I'm, decisions. I'm doing, the, I'm doing the CNN John King math. It's too early in the night to, oh. to make... To, 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 to say who the winner is. Okay? You like to press the button on the math. That's what you I like do, to do. I do, and just say, here's how the math works. I work off the math. Okay. So, like I just said to you, so if 96 points is the magic number, I'm just picking 96 because it's a, I think it's a pretty safe number to pick. Yeah. I ask you, well, like 42 out of 65 games, that's what the Vancouver Canucks have to win. I say good luck. That's all I say. Now, you asked me about the Anaheim Ducks. They have 23 points. They have 65 games left. So if we take 96 minus 23, right, we end up pretty easy at 73. They only have to win 36 of their next 65 games to get to that 96 number. I'm doing the math, Steve. I'm doing the math. Yeah, <laughs> so, they got okay. to come east. They got to come east. They, they, it doesn't matter where they're going. I'm not are trying high. to say yes or that. I'm doing the math. So when you start to do the math, just like John King does on CNN, here's what the math tells you, okay? I'm asking you now. Do you think it's – listen, is it, is it possible? There's a big difference between possibility and probability. What do you think the probability of the Vancouver Canucks winning 42 of their next 65 games to end up at 96 points? It's really low. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're in trouble. As Richie Cunningham once said, I'm in big <laughs> trouble. So for you uh, old timers out there, that was a great series. So um, happy days, it was called. <laughs> yes, it's not happy days in Vancouver. It's happy no. day. It's duck season here. Not wabbit season. It's duck season. So good for them. The Penguins. So as a manager, your buddy Lou Lamorello, I know you guys are tight. He said, I've got a plan. A one year, a three year, a five year, a three month, a six month, and be ready to change your plan instantly. So the Penguins, going into the year, contender, injuries, banged up. In comes Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, middling. Sydney's first three games have not been good. You got guys who are UFA, 71 and 58 at the end of the year. You got a tough division. You got a lot of improving teams. Even Columbus and New Jersey have, are off to good starts. We know the Islanders are better than under 500. Got the Capitals, who just don't lose in regulation, it seems. Carolina might be the second or the best team in the NHL. Where are the Penguins? A march of the Penguins? Do we get Morgan Freeman here? Are they going to march? Or could there be ch ch changes as we get to the deadline? Dare we say it, Craig? Could they be unloading some star power? 
What you're well, making a face? You're making number a face. one. The, you're making they're a right face. at the they're right at the 500 mark. Uh, you know they haven't had Crosby for a, uh, a long portion of the season. They haven't had Malkin. Uh, Latang was out. You know, keep in mind that when this team started out the season, there was a lot of optimism about wow, look at how how good they are without their star players. So what I would say is, you know, with Sidney Crosby ramping up, he's going to ramp up. I'm not worried about Sidney Crosby. You know, Malkin gets healthy, gets back in the lineup. You know, Mike Sullivan's a really, really good coach. You know, what, what I would look at with their team and say, okay, you know, what's going to give us, I'm talking about from a manager's point of view, what, what's our strengths, right? What, what, what can we use more of to, to, to bolster our lineup and to give us a, a chance as we move forward here? You know, Ron Hextall has, a, has, has an assessment time here with other players, not named Crosby, Malkin, or Latang. I can only tell you this, Steve. If the Pittsburgh Penguins get to the trade deadline and they're and they're out of it, I, I can tell you this. I, I would imagine that Ron Hextall will be, uh, you know, receiving a lot of calls. What would it take uh, for us to get Chris Letang? What would it take for us to get Danny Malkin? And you, you know, and, and and as it should be, that's exactly how it should be. But I don't think now is the time to think about changes in at the trade deadline. I think now you, you, you're trying to get your team to a, to a place where, okay, no Malkin, Crosby just back, Latang was out for a period of time, Brian Rust, Gensel missed a little bit of time, right? Like you, I just named five really good players. Tristan Jari has played pretty well this year. He's, he's, he's found the form that he did in the regular season. I, I think there's enough there. I, I really do think there's enough there in Pittsburgh. If you go back to last year, Steve, where did Pittsburgh end up in the division? One. They were the first place team in, the, in, that, in that division. Whatever the, I forget what the division was called last year. Okay, they were one. They didn't start out one. The New Jersey Devils, or no, excuse me, the New York Islanders did. The New York Islanders fell to four. I think there's more than enough runway here for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think what you suggest is far, far premature. If I'm manager of one of those other teams, though, do I call you now to put a bugaboo in your ear? Or do you hang Salary the cap is me? too much. The obligations are too much. No, no, no. You got to get... No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. I'm saying we can only get guys at the deadline, right? Phil Kessel will be traded, but he can't, his cap hits too. His real dollars are low, his cap hits high. But I say, listen, keep us in mind, Team XYZ. I can't take him now, and you wouldn't trade him to me now anyway because the fans would say, you're quitting at U.S. Thanksgiving. Do I, do I put those feelers out there with the teams that I want a right-handed shooting defenseman later in the year? You're always doing that. You're always doing that. I always joke, Steve, as a manager, when your team is struggling, the other managers around the league, you're like, think about this. You're in the middle of, 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 of a lake and, and a storm comes in. It's a big lake. It's Lake Ontario, right? And a storm comes in and the water's getting up over your head, right? And that, 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 that's where the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, you're, you're still good. You can see you can see the horizon. You can see the shoreline a little bit, but you're not. And all the, the general managers are all there. Hey, 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 Ron Hextall, how you doing here? And they, here you go. He, 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 here's a here's a life jacket, right? You go, oh, geez, thanks, Mr. GM. Now I got, hey, Ron, Ron, here's some floaty, some floating devices. You know, this will work out really good for you. And Ron's going, geez, thanks. He puts on the, uh, the life jacket. He takes these floating devices and he starts to realize, wait a sec. These things are loaded with lead. I'm sinking down to the bottom of the lake. 
general managers aren't in the business of helping out ge other general managers. And when your team is struggling, what looks like a life jacket, it's usually an anchor they're throwing you. They don't care about you. They care about your own team. So what I would tell you, Steve, is, yeah, you're making those calls. You're saying, hey, just so you know, Ron, it starts off with, oh, I know how you are, Ron. Like, that's got to be tough. Yeah. And just so you know, if you're interested in trading Latang, we'd be interested. <laughs> Well, those teams and the GMs always start lovey-dovey until like, I'm, I'm going to do you a favor, right? And I'm oh, sure you've had, and you've been on all the sides with Dallas and Calgary to sit there and say, are you kidding me? But there are trades that are made and sometimes they're subtle. Maybe it's down the lineup. Maybe they're like, I look at different things GMs did in the off season. The off season is probably a better time to, to retool. It's harder in the regular season. But I look at like a Tony D'Angelo and I look at Freddie Anderson. And I have to say, Don Waddell moved off Nadelkovich, and we all thought he was crazy, I think, because we thought it was about money, but maybe they'd have made a decision that they didn't feel they could win with Nadelkovich. Now, Freddie Anderson's top five in the league, the way he's played right now, and Tony D'Angelo's more than making up for what was lost by Dougie Hamilton. Now, I know we're not at the U.S. Thanksgiving yet, but I look at that and think, wow, you know? Not because I wouldn't have gone the Freddie Anderson route because I don't know still if they can win with him in the playoffs, but I always like Tony D'Angelo. And what's he making? 750 or a million bucks? Would other teams have been scared by the dressing room antics in New York or his political view? Because sometimes you need to, you know, if a guy's available, there's, there's a problem or something's wrong or he wouldn't be available. So I look at those moves that GMs make. I look at Pierre-Luc Dubois and I thought, it's not going well last year. He's too good. Let's wait till it's a normal year and everything else. And now he and Kyle Connor, wow. And to lose line A to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's the trades that make a team crazy. Didn't you just talk about getting Sergey Zubov? Didn't you just talk about getting Joe Newendick? How did those trades turn out? You know what? I see a ring on your finger. I know how they turned out. The trades that make teams good into great. I'd love those storylines. But, but, you know, just so we're clear on history here, I've had to clear this up a number of times in the past few days. When we traded for Joe Newendike, uh, that was in December of 1995. We traded for Sergei Zuboff at the draft in 1996. Our team was awful. <laughs> Our team was awful. We were not one player away or this player away. We were not trying to get over the hump, trying to take it to the next level. We were trying to build our team. That's what that. So, so I want to make that clear that we were in a very different place when we made those trades. We, we, we had a lot of good young players. We had Mike Madonna, we had Gary Lettinen coming and we had Hatcher and Lagenbrunner and Matt, Bichuk, and we had a really good group of young players. But when we made those trades, Steve, we were not a good team in December of 1995. We were awful. And in 96 at the draft, we were getting ready to pick fifth overall. That's how bad we were. So you're right. You know, when you start to go and make trades and you start to talk about quality, but you know, when, when you look at the different areas and you talk about Tony D'Angelo and, and it's, it's interesting because you know who I compared to, Tony D'Angelo to in terms of his style of play when he was in his draft year, Sergey Zuboff. Zuboff. Yeah, That's right. Because he had a lot of the same, uh, you know, mannerisms, abilities, attributes on the ice. And, you know, I think that, and, and you know, you look at where Tony was, Tony's been a very good NHL player. And I, I, I think that Tony, uh, you know, was the architect of, of his own issues and his own problems. Right. And if he can put those behind him 
and, you know, focus in on being uh, a, a good player and, and not being uh, a distraction or disruptive in whether it be in, 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 the, in the locker room, dressing room, or whether it be, you know, in, in your social media, right. Then, you know, you have a really good player. And, that, and that's on Tony D'Angelo. But as a player, he's terrific. Freddie Anderson, you know, go, go, going into uh, Carolina. I mean, he's been a really top-notch goaltender for a lot of years. And so, you know, you try to look at it and whether what the thinking was about Nadelkovich, that's a good team in Carolina. And I know we weren't going to get into Carolina, but Rod Brindamore is just, I mean, the guy is phenomenal. The guy's phenomenal as a coach. Like, I mean, that, that to me, if young coaches out there watching – like I would suggest that the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, package some Rod Brindamore uh, videos for young coaches. The, and, and it's about the enthusiasm. It's about the belief in his players. It's about his, his belief in them. This is what we do. It's about his excitement, being thrilled for individual accomplishment, being thrilled for the player that might not get the same notoriety, but knowing that that player is just as important to my success and our team. Like those are the videos I want to see out there for young coaches. Because that's what it's about. If you want to know what Rod Brindamore is about, it's about, he, he's, he, you know what? We talk about 200-foot players. He was the 200-foot player. You know what he is? He's a complete coach. I love the pace in which they play, the oh. way they move the puck, the way when something goes good or bad, and I'm more of a roller coaster. We give up the first goal in beer league. And, ah, come on here. It's okay. It's okay. No, Rod knows. You're going to win and lose. You're going to be a great team and still lose 30 games. Right, right. So once you kind of figure out, it's like in baseball, they say two out of three, man, two out of three. Just keep winning as many series as you can. They go into Vegas, anti Ranta, great for him, gets a call. They're up two nothing. It's all good. Back to two two. He's got Seth Jarvis on the ice, key situation, scores the game winning goal. He's got tools. He knows that you don't need the hammer here when you've got the saw and the utility belt of where, and I, I'm just surprised because he didn't go from retirement to back to major junior, right? He, he went to an assistant and then he is the exception to the rule of going not back to the beginning. Oh, I just retired from 1200 NHL games. I'm going to start at the top. Whoa, 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 Kim. Whoa, whoa. Hang on. You started playing hockey when you're four, you retired at 38 great career. Now you you're, you're four again learning to scout or draft or manage or the cap and everything else. But Rod was able to do it for a lot of different reasons. Don't use Rod as the rule. He's the exception. And that's what makes him exceptional in my opinion. And this team and the way they play, it's they're sexy. You know, they're, they're the old Hartford Whalers. They're the Whalers in the eighties when they couldn't get over the top, but they were so fun to watch that only people who know the Francis's and you know, this Blaine stuff, you go to the different people that followed the Whalers. They were really good for a long time. This Carolina teams, they got a buzz and they've had a buzz for a few years. I don't think it's going away with the people they have. And I guess it starts behind the bench, but I want to give Don Waddell some credit for what he was able to do with his staff with those oh, two moves. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I mean, making decisions, I think, you know, for me looking from the outside in and, and remember I'm looking from the outside in here, you know, Tom Dundon bought the team and there was a lot of hand wringing in, 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 sir. Oh, you can't run your team like that. You can't well, wait a sec. How is Tom Dundon running his team? Tom Dundon is saying to the, the, he says, listen, what's our goal? 
What, what, what do we want to, to, to try to achieve? Tom Dunnan's been very clear. We want to be a top six, eight team in the league. That gives us a chance to compete for the cup year in, year out. We want to pay for, for, for performance that moves the needle. And we're going to adhere to it. And we're not going to be afraid to make decisions and changes and moves that maybe the general populace doesn't like. But if we believe in them, we've gone through and we're going to make them. Well, as a manager, well, let me just see. We're going to spend to the cap, right? You're, you're going to let me, uh, you're going to, we, we want to be in, in, in that top six to eight teams that can't be for a cup. And you're telling me, don't put on handcuffs. Like, think about different things. Don't worry about trading this player or that player or looking at this. We're, we're going to move on. And they traded for Dougie Hamilton. And then they let Dougie Hamilton go up as a free agency. And, and, and that's what you love in an owner. Wouldn't everybody love an owner like that? But of course, you know, he, he comes in and everybody wants to judge a book by its cover and everything. And so Don Waddell and Tom Dundon, along with Rod Brindamore and the rest of their group in there, they've done a, they've done a really good job. All starts at the top, Steve. It all starts at the top. So, you know, and when, and when, when somebody buys a team, they get to do whatever they want. They get to do whatever they want. It's not up to what there's not a handbook that says, Oh, you bought the team. Okay. Now these are the rules you have to abide by, you know, like don't be making any trades that the general populace, that the consensus doesn't agree with, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. go for it. And that's what he does. He's got a great attitude of going for it. Yeah. I called them sexy on the air. And then they use that as their slogan. I said, the Carolina hurricanes are, they're a sexy team. They liked it. Boom, it became their motto for a little bit. So uh, no Sazich my way, but it's good uh, flattering. They use that as a little uh, slogan because they, they are a very sexy team. Um, some bits and bites here. P.K. Subban on Sammy Blay, Skate on Skate, and Knee on Knee. And when we were in television together on both stops at the score in TSN, I thought, I thought we did a very good job on analyzing the trolley tracks, moving off them, sticking out a leg, and analyzing whether something was legal or illegal because it's tough because there's a penalty on the play. There's a hurt player. And we've had two of them this year with Drew Doughty and now with Alexander Barkov. So I don't want to put words in your mouth about what you saw. And you've been in the manager's meetings. Fans always yell, he, he got him in the knee. He stuck at his knee. And then we, we look and we, you know, we get rid of the white noise and say, no, this is a body check gone wrong or at least how i saw it and i guess the league did that doesn't make me right but where are you on past knee on knees and how the perception of the dowdy barkoff things have gone this year you know there's a fantastic resource out there for everybody it's yes. called the nhl video rule book oh that's wonderful <laughs> you know nhl.com and you can find it or google it you know they do such a fantastic job of, of, of trying to, you know, show you visually what a penalty is, you know, you can read the rule book, right. But they, they go, they've taken it to another level with the, with the, with the, with the video rule book. And I would suggest that everybody, so we see things in, and, and we, we know how fast the game is. So it's, there's no sense in talking about while well, the game's fast, really. Thanks for telling us that, you know, the sun rises in the East too. Did you know that by the, so now, you know, you look at it and, and, and there's incidental contact. Like, you know, there's times when there, there's collisions and yeah, you, you go, well, how'd that happen? But you know what? There, there's a place in the rule book for incidental contact, right? Like where it's unavoidable. And, you know, certainly, yeah, you know, the Department of Player Safety and Hockey Ops look at these things. So, you know, you look at the, uh, the play with uh, 
the Hawk and Paw on, on Dowdy, right? And then the Barkov play. I mean, Hawk and Paw got a five-minute major. They reviewed it. The Department of Player Safety said, you know what? We don't think it deserves supplemental discipline. Okay, that's fine. They did like, you know, they look at it and look at it. So pay the price on the ice, five-minute major. Not every five-minute major ends up in supplemental discipline. So let's keep that in mind. You know, it's unfortunate when players get hurt, right? And we know that. I'm going to go back to something, though, that I really, you know, you talk about bits and bites. So we talk about that. See, you, you know, there's going to be shoulder injuries. There's going to be knee injuries. And, and, and we know how to deal with them for the most part. We're still very much trying to learn how to deal with, with uh, concussions. I mean, there, it's a continuing thing. And when I read uh, about Bowen Byram, what he's gone through, and two, like, you know, blows to the head, like Steve, like I'm adamant, like I, like I am not wavering ever. I think every hit to the head, whether it be accidental or not, needs to be needs to be meant. Like quite frankly, with uh, at least a, a ten minute misconduct, like they do in the IIHF, and 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 if, and if it's done like a game misconduct, and then let hockey department of player safety deal with it. And the reason I say that is, and I know some are accidental. I want the game slowed down to a certain extent when it comes to player safety. And, you know, when you're coming to deliver a hit, I'm putting the onus on the person delivering the hit. That's who I'm putting the onus on. So I don't care what your body posture was. I don't care what your intention was. You got to be in control. And when you make contact with the head, that makes you in violation. Now, to what extent it, that violation is, I, I think at a minimum, it's, it's two and 10, like the IIHF rule for head contact. We, we, to me, Again, we've had lots of knee injuries over the years, some obviously more serious than others. But when we're dealing with the blows to the head, that's a problem. When I read about Bowen Byron, who I know, and he's a brilliant young player in the league, he starts talking about his career and he's 20 years old. Sorry. We got to, and I am. And people say, oh, Craig, you're, you're beating the drum again. Guess what? This is one drum I'm not going to stop beating ever. I'm going to keep beating on it and beating on it. Because I think it's necessary. Well, you know, right now your uh, fellow managers aren't ready to change a rule that allows full body checks that include head contact. Like we as a league aren't there yet. The way you talk about the IIHF and they'll probably look at you and say, some would say, I agree. Some would say, how do we legislate it in? And others would say, how are we going to make all of this possible on every check? Because there's there's a there's a lot of head contact. Head contact is still legal in the NHL. If it's just picking a head, elbowing a head, shoulder to head, those are easy. It's the other stuff that I don't disagree with you. Ken Dryden said a few years ago, everything to the head, gone, penalty, and the severity would lead to a suspension. Then you got to legislate it, right? Then you got to say, oh, what about what if what if I run into Chara? Char stands there, running into head contact. It is because Char, I come up to his uh, to his logo. So it, on the easy ones, it's easy. On the harder ones, it's fifty shades of gray, isn't it, Craig? Well, good. I I I, I want to take the gray and make it black and white. I'm not afraid of that, Steve. I'm not. Afraid. You just said it. There's still allowed legal contact to the head. Yep. The, the, there's the problem right there. I don't want to hear how hard the solution is. I want the solution. 
I don't want to hear how hard things are. I don't want to hear, oh, well, how are we going to do this? Or this is the way it used to be. It's not the way it is anymore. We know a lot more about head contact and everything. I'm not talking about somebody running into Daniel Chara. I'm talking about players delivering body checks. And you know what? If you know you're going to be out for, a, for two and a 10 at a minimum, I'll tell you what, you'll slow down. That's how I feel about it. And I think it needs to be legislated long time ago. And we're, why we're waiting I don't understand it, and I'm never going to understand it. You know me. I think every rule should include a two, a four, a five, a two, and a ten. Have options. We can't do it middle of the season, but there's going to be a March meeting coming up, right? So maybe Craig presents. Craig presents at the March meeting. So you mentioned slowing down. Unfortunately, we have to slow down and come to a stop. This has been another edition of the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. Until next time. Be well, be safe.